Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Dental Unfiltered. I'm Matthew Brown. This is Dr. Andrew Vallow. Today we're going to be talking about um, how to focus on getting a yes and approaching a yes in a treatment presentation. Um, Dr. Vallow and me both have a lot of experience in this. A lot of people know this. I actually live present all over the country in a lot of my practices. I think that this is probably one of the most critical areas uh, for practice growth because it's when the two humans come together in the operatory and the doc clinically guides the patient and it's, it's the patient's first chance to decide if they want to move forward with that doc or not if they're a new patient or if they're existing patient if they want to move forward with their treatment plan. So me and Dr. Vallow are going to approach the subject today. First I was, I was going to let Dr. Vallow start. Andrew, when you first got your first practice and you went from being an associate to being a practice owner, how much thought and effort did you put into this area or did you not put enough thought and effort into this area then it, then it hit you in the face? Hey guys, uh, excited to talk about this stuff today, but I, I think when I first opened my first practice, I didn't put enough thought into the whole treatment plan presentation, uh, which I will tell you guys actually starts the second the patient walks in your door. So there, yeah. you know, it's a lot more than just what you're saying to the patient. For me, like connecting with patients always came pretty easily as an associate. So, you know, I, I felt like I had the capability to, you know, explain treatment well, to encourage the patient to move forward. Um, and, I, and I felt like I did a pretty good job at that. But I, I do think there are a lot of parts that were overlooked for me. And, and there's a lot of systems that we've refined over the last couple of years here. There's a reason why, you know, some docs have treatment acceptance rates of 20% where other docs may have treatment acceptance rates of 75 or 80%. Um, and, and there's a lot of different factors that go into that too. So sometimes it's how much you diagnose, you know, cause in all honesty, our treatment uh, acceptance would probably be even higher if we didn't diagnose as much, but you know, that that's a big part of the equation because the more you diagnose, the more treatment you're going to do. So lo lots of good stuff to talk about today. Um, I, I want to go back to that first point I just made, which is treatment presentation starts the second the patient walks in your door. So, uh, you know, just realize, guys, you, we're building trust with every part of the patient visit. Um, you know, how the appearance of your office, the appearance of your patient lounge, or many people call it waiting room. Um, I'm not a big fan of that term, but, you know, how, how things look, how things feel, how things smell. You know, we, we talked about how our office or our offices, we try not to look, feel, uh, or even smell like a dental office. We've got our, our scent airs pumping our white tea and time scent throughout the office. Uh, you know, how are you, how is your front office team greeting this patient? You know, do they have big smiles on their faces? Are they saying hello? Or are they just ignoring them because they're too busy doing something else on the computer or on the phone? You know, do you guys have a comfort menu? Are you offering patients beverages like sparkling water, uh, you know, fancy coffees, espressos, things like that? how long are they waiting? You know, if, if they're sitting there waiting an hour before their appointment, then, you know, by the time we get to the end of the exam and the treatment presentation, they've already got one foot out the door because they're running late for their next thing. So that, there is like so much that goes into it before you ever even see the patient um, that you need to make sure that, that you're doing the right way. Um, and I would say that's, that is the very first part of the equation. Like how is your patient experience? How are they greeted when they first get to the office? You know, how long are they waiting? How are they meant to feel? And that's step one. And that's, you know, that's, that's just the beginning. Uh, step two happens when they actually come back in the operatory and, and, you know, whether that's with a dental assistant or a dental hygienist, which, which we run our new patients through both. You know, we, we have new patients come through hygiene. We also have new patients come on the doctor side. It just depends on uh, who has the next available opening because we don't like to make patients wait. You know, I've, I've got, my whole team knows that if somebody calls, 
and they want to get in for an appointment, we're going to find a way to get them in that day. I mean, like we, we literally will always make it work. We'll squeeze somebody in somewhere. If not that day, you know, it's gotta be like the next business day that we're open. If, if that patient is calling around to five or six different practices, then they're probably going to end up making an appointment somewhere else. Uh, you know, if, if, if you make them wait too long to get in. So step two, you know, whoever sees them, hygienist assistant, how are they making them feel? And then are they actually showing and talking to the patient about issues that they're seeing? So, you know, step two is going to be co-diagnosis and, you know, we'll get into that in a second. So, you know, you said something really, really important that I talk about a lot in my, um, in my training, which is the, the patient can decide to not accept treatment long before they're ever in the chair. Case presentation starts with the greeting at the front door, it really starts with when they verbally book the appointment at the front desk, right? So, you know, a lot of times docs will talk to me and they'll be like, yeah, I thought this patient was, was definitely going to be a, a new case and, and they were going to go forward with treatment. I can't understand why they didn't. But when the doc makes that statement, they're thinking about from the beginning of doc's interaction to the end of doc's interaction, right? And, and they're kind of like honed in. Like they're, they're focused on that one little area. And they're not thinking about everything that happened before it. I was at a practice in uh, Texas a couple years ago, and I was sitting at the front desk, and the assistant walked up and started talking about how hard it was to get this guy to stop bleeding and how much he wouldn't stop moving and how hard the case was. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. She's like, what? I was like, what's what's waiting right there. She's like, patience. And I'm like, do you think this is an appropriate conversation to happen in front, have in front of other patients? And she's like, oh, and I didn't think about that. And, you know, we, we teach a concept called on stage and off stage. I stole this from Dr. Raul Molina in Florida. It's actually from Disney originally. And what we like is to talk about protecting the early part of that process, right? Like, like from there to the operatory. So we have a properly set up patient. Um, we talk about using this concept called on stage and off stage, where if, if the staff member is having a conversation that isn't appropriate, you can say, hey, hey, let's take this conversation off stage. Or, hey, remember you're on stage. And it's a way to, it's a way to like police the environment to maintain that, right? And it's something that it, it's really kind of overlooked that it all starts from the beginning. And the analogy I like to use is, I don't know if, if, if listeners know this about me, I spent seven years in special operations for our government and I had a really bad parachute accident in 2010. I'm terrified of heights now. My, my wife can't get me on a stepladder to change a light bulb. Well, if, if we all decided we were going to go to a roller coaster park and get me over my fear of heights, and we went through that zigzaggy line to get to the front, and when we got to the front of the line, the ride operator said, hold on for a second, we're going to repair the roller coaster, then we'll let you on. There's no way my butt's ever getting on that roller coaster. Well, that's kind of the same analogy. You know, everyone fears the dentist. Everyone has dental anxiety. A lot can happen from door to chair that will make them decide to not accept treatment before they ever get told anything. And I think yeah. docs need to open up that scope of view. Think about it from your guys' perspective. You know, like let's say you're interviewing for an associate position somewhere. You may have made your mind up whether or not you're gonna take that job before you even hear the offer. You know, if, if you walk in the office and you're like, ooh man, yes. like this, this office just doesn't feel right. You know, it looks old, it looks dated. The team looks like they're not happy. They all look like they're, you know, pissed off to be at work today. Like, I don't think I want to work here. And you haven't even heard the terms of the deal. You know, you don't know what, what hours you're working. You don't know what the compensation looks like. You don't know what your schedule is going to look like. But just on that first impression, you're, you're already thinking like, man, I don't even want to waste my time here. I just want to go to the next interview. That's the same way that patients feel. So, you know, just realize you can lose that treatment before you even present it if you're not doing things right at the beginning. 
So the, the next thing I want to jump into is co-diagnosis. And so this is something that I'm really big on. Um, I, I believe in empowering our team. You know, I, our, our team is all healthcare professionals. You know, our, our dental hygienists, they're more than plaque scrapers. That's something I tell them all the time. Like, hey, you guys are healthcare professionals. You're the first line of defense for these patients. Hygienists are actually the second most seen healthcare provider in America, right behind pharmacists. So you know, they, they have a really, really important role. They see Did patients more than almost anybody else does. Um, and you know, that it's, it's their responsibility to uh, start, no start to point out concerns that they're seeing, you know, and, and at the, at the same time, you know, I said, Hey guys, like, I understand technically hygienists cannot diagnose, you know, restorative treatment, things like that. But you can read an x-ray, you know what you're seeing there. You can point out concerns to patients and you can say things like, Hey, Joe, you see this big dark spot on this x-ray. I'm concerned about this. This looks like it could be a large cavity. I know Dr. Vallow is going to want to take a close look at this. When we see uh, x-rays like this that have really big cavities, a lot of times they need crowns, you know, so that might be the recommendation that he's going for. Or they, they can, and, and we're big on showing patients. So we've got the, you know, the big 50 inch TVs sitting right smack dab in front of the patient. Um, and so we'll bring those x-rays or we'll bring, you know, an IO picture of a, a big fracture on, you know, on the side of the tooth and we'll bring it over the TV and, and, and the, you know, our hygienists are supposed to actually show the patients these things and talk about the concerns before the doctor even comes in the room. They have a, a co-diagnosis sheet and it has things like, uh, you know, different like perio conditions, you know, appearance of, of the tissue, deepest probe depth, uh, you know, is, is there radiographic calculus present? It has things about occlusion, you know, so that they're looking for things where, where they may want to talk to patients about malocclusion and, and maybe Invisalign. Uh, and then it has like an open-ended section for restorative where they actually are writing down tooth numbers and they're writing down the concern that they see, uh, you know, number 12D, uh, carries or something like that, or, the, or they're saying, you know, number 31 D fracture for distal fracture. Uh, so that way, when the doctor walks in the room, we've got a nice summary of all the hygienist findings sitting right in front of our face. And uh, these findings should have already been discussed, at least the majority of them with the patient. So this isn't their first time hearing these concerns. I always tell my team, the best case scenario is that I walk into the operatory and the patient says, hey, doc, I've got a cracked tooth on the bottom right, uh, it needs a crown. When can we do this? You know, can we do this today? Uh, cause at that point in time, your job's already done for you. And, and that's, that's a huge win by our hygienists or our assistants. If, if they're already showing the patients, these things, um, you know, by, by the same token, uh, we've, we've got to stand up for our team. So, you know, if, if you're going to do that, you can't walk in there and be like, oh no, no, that's not a cavity. That's, that's nothing. Don't worry no, about you have that. To, but you have to, you have to, you have to support them and have faith in it. So they have faith in what they're saying. Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, like every, you know, everyone makes mistakes. There's times I look at an x-ray and, and think something's one thing and it's something else, you know, when I actually get in the mouth. So just realize we're all human. Like you can't throw your team under the bus. So like, let's, let's say that situation. Cause I'll tell you what, they will never do it again. They, they will never co-diagnose for you again. If, if you throw them under the bus in front of a patient. No. So, you know, let's say in that situation, you walk in the room and, and, you know, something has been spoken about where there's a fracture, there's decay, and you don't think that's actually what it is. Um, you know, I'll, I'll often say things like, oh, you know, thank you so much for pointing that out. Yes, I, I, I do see that there. Um, at, at this point in time, I, I think, uh, you know, we're going to be okay keeping a close eye on that. 
So, I mean, just like, it's, it's all about how, how you talk about it. So, you know, I, I always, I always thank my team when we walk in the room, you know, I, Hey, thank you for pointing this out. I did, I do want to take a close look at that, you know, or I do want to keep an eye on that or yes, that's, that's definitely a priority for us. You know, we want to address that right away. So, so step one is, you know, the first impression of the office, how does the patient feel? Step two is that co-diagnosis, you know, are your assistants, are your hygienists, you know, depending on who's seeing that patient, are they showing them x-rays? Are they showing them pictures? Are they showing them Itero scans? Are they pointing out areas of concern? And again, you know, they don't need to sit there and diagnose like, hey, this is a cavity, it needs a filling, but they can say, hey, you know, this is concerning. You see that brown spot on the picture. You see that dark spot on the x-ray. This looks like it could be a cavity. I know the doc's gonna be concerned about this. He's gonna wanna talk to you about that. So at least it's already in the patient's mind. So, you know, the, the hardest thing is when the patient spends, you know, 40 minutes with the hygienist and thinks everything's totally fine. And then you walk in the room and now you've got to be the bearer of bad news and drop these bombs on them. Like, oh, it's great to see you. You actually have six cavities going on. You need a few crowns. The patient's, you know, floored at that point. They're like, what? I've been here for 40 minutes and no one said anything. So, you know, co-diagnosis co is huge. If you're not doing it in your practice, you need to start immediately, but you need to calibrate with your team. So, you know, you, you can't just dive in and, and do this blind. You know, you, you need to have meetings with your yeah. hygienist, with your assistants, you need to go over x-rays and, and IO pictures you, together. You need to role play. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you definitely need to You can't just play. say, hey, we're going to start this co-diagnosis thing. And because you're a dentist and they're dental professionals, we think it can just happen. Like, the, the, so we had a practice, wording of these things is so critical. And it doesn't really apply to this, but it does. We had a practice in Michigan and they were having problems collecting patient portions. And they just couldn't figure it out. Like, just was, everyone was walking out the door. And I, I went and showed up there for a day. And I was watching the assistants, and they were all saying the same thing. They would get done with somebody, say, all right, you're good to go home, and they would just leave. I was like, no, they got to go to the front desk and check out. That was, the, that was the only thing. It was just wording, right? In co-diagnosis, there's so much handoff of information and so much of a build of a foundation for Doc to stand on that role-playing in this scenario is a must. Yep. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. So... You know, we, we do calibrations like with our doctors. Actually, I've, I've got uh, a couple newer associates that I'm doing a doctor calibration meeting with together early January. This may have already released at this point. Um, we do calibrations with like the whole team in the office. We do calibrations with different departments. And it's not something you can just do one time and be done. It's something that should be ongoing. Really, it's that you ongoing. should be doing, you know, at, at, at least probably twice a year, you know, with, with, each, with each section uh, of your team there. So we talked about co-diagnosis. Uh, you know, the, the next thing that's important is the handoff. So, you know, when yeah, you I was gonna, walk I was gonna say handoffs yeah. and, and, and handoffs should happen multiple times in the office. Uh, the first time the handoff really happens is as you walk in the room and that assistant or that hygienist is introducing you to the patient, well, you know, whether it's a new patient or existing patient, you know, Hey, you remember Dr. Vallow or, Hey, this is Dr. Vallow, you know, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Dr. Vallow, you know, we were looking at some stuff for Joe. I am concerned about a few areas that look like they might be cavities. Um, he also has a, a fracture, it looks like on a tooth. I definitely want you to take a close look at that. Uh, so, you know, the patient's kind of hearing a second time what the assistant or the hygienist already told them. And again, this is the second time they've heard it before you've even leaned the patient back and looked in their mouth. Um, so that's, that's huge. Uh, at that point in time, usually the first thing I do is, you know, I'm looking at their x-rays, I'm looking at the IO pictures, and if I'm seeing, you know, major things on there, I'm now showing the patient those things on the TV. So this is hopefully the second time they've seen these images and be like, I'll, I'll often say things like, you know, hey, I don't know if Stephanie already showed you this, but I just want to point out like 
this is a major concern for me. This is why, again, seeing is believing, you know, I bring my car into the mechanic. I don't know a whole lot about cars besides I like driving them and I like going fast, but you know, they, they tell me there's something wrong. Like I just have to believe them. I have no idea, but I'll tell you what, like if, if they could show me images and point out what they're seeing and, and explain why that's wrong. I mean, like I would probably feel a lot more comfortable, like, Hey, this is really the issue versus when they're like, all right, uh, you've got this bad, this bad, this bad, we've got to fix it. You know, it's 800 bucks. And I'm just like, okay, well, I got to believe you because I have no, no choice here. So seeing is believing, you know, make sure that you're utilizing the technology. I think the intraoral camera is like one of the best things that you could, we, we buy mouthwatch oh, cameras. I, I forget how much they cost, a Cu couple hundred bucks maybe. Amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's not a it's, super expensive. The, the 50 the inch TV tool. on the wall is like 200 bucks. The intraoral camera, a couple hundred bucks. So, I mean, I would say total less than $500. We're able to, to show the patient giant images of fractures and, you know, cavities and things like that. We also have the iTerra scanner. Obviously that's a little more expensive, but that's another great tool for, for visualizing things, especially malocclusion. Um, I, we talked about on other episodes, it, it, it's challenging to close admissaline cases if you don't have something like an iTerra scanner to, to show patients exactly what's going on. So for us, we believe so much in the Atero scanner being such a critical part of case acceptance, especially for the Misline, that if you're doing impressions, we, we've noticed the data shows the case presentation rate is really low. We require that you have an intraoral scanner before we invest any of your money in the Misline market. Because yeah. it's just, it's just, it's just it's standard of care for one, but two, the, the visual, humans are visual. Like, like we, we want to see, seeing is believing for us. And just what you said, that the, the camera and the, and the TV is 500 bucks. Let me tell you what, for getting case acceptance, you show someone, like their little tooth, they never get to see themselves big on their screen. They're like, oh, that looks bad. And it is bad. And it's not salesmanship. It's proper education of the patient for the sense of urgency for what they really need. And our mission is to get people to treatment. Our mission is to do what's best for the patient all the time, right? Well, showing them visually, allowing them a higher level of understanding of it, is always going to lead them to making the right, right healthcare healthcare choice. No, yeah, and and once again, Matt, I dentistry is sales in, in a sense, and you know I know that makes some people uncomfortable, but here's the thing, guys: yeah. we're we're not selling alcohol and cigarettes. We're selling better health for our patients, but we still have to sell. We still have to show the value of the treatment um, and explain the consequences of not doing it. Because I'll tell you what: this these patients are choosing between you know, their dental care and the new iPhone or, you know, the next vacation or whatever it is yeah, going on a cruise. So, you know, sometimes we have to make these decisions. And if, if you don't do your job to properly educate the patient about what the problem is, what the risks of not, you know, addressing the problem, what the benefits of doing treatment are, if you don't do your job doing that, the patient's going to say, oh, I don't really want to get this work done. I'd rather go on the cruise. I'd rather buy this iPhone. So it, it is sales in a sense, but again, we're, we're fortunate that we're selling things that are very beneficial for people. Um, but we, we still have to do our job to, to convey that value. And so, you know, at, at this point in time, guys, you know, as, as we're talking about case presentation, the patient's already been shown things, hopefully on the screen multiple times. They've already heard about concerns multiple times. They've heard multiple, I, multiple healthcare providers deliver that information. I, as a doctor, haven't even leaned the patient back yet. So, you know, this, this is where I think a lot of docs are doing it in reverse is the first thing they're, you know, they're walking the room. Hi, it's nice to meet you. All right, let's get you leaned back. Let's look in your mouth. So that's the first thing they're doing. And I'll tell you what, like it's, it's a, the reason a lot of people don't like the dentist is they feel like their personal space is invaded. So, you know, if you're coming in there, they just met you and they haven't heard anything about any, they have, you haven't shown them anything. 
they're lean way back in the chair and you're just diving in their mouth and you're saying, Oh, number four DO filling number seven crown number 12, you know, you're, there's hearing numbers and letters and all this stuff. They have no idea what's going on. They don't know if you're telling them the truth, if you're lying to them, they feel like their personal space was just invaded. You didn't build any kind of rapport with the patient yet. So, you know, my objective is I like to, uh, you know, make that actual intraoral exam. One of the last things I do after we've already had a discussion, after we've already built rapport, after I've already shown them concerns, explain things to them. Another thing that I think a lot of dentists do in reverse is they talk about the solution before they talk about the problem or they put more emphasis on the solution than the problem. I think so, they also do this to go along with that. I think a lot of dentists put clinical way first and the relationship with the patient way second. So like a lot of dentists, I watched the walk in. I had a dentist do this in Florida. He walked in the op. The x-ray was up. He just never introduced himself, never said hi, never broke the ice, just started talking off the x-ray. Yeah. And the patient was leaving, and I was sitting at the front desk. I, I, I known what happened. I, I was shadowing the doc, and I said to the patient, "I was like, hey man, did you did you learn what you wanted to learn today, or you know, did you get what you needed?" And he was like, "No." And I was like, "Can we go back to the operatory?" And we did. I said, "Hey, what do you, you know? What's your goal for your dental needs?" He's like, "I've saved thirty thousand dollars, and I want to rip all my teeth out and have an arch on top and an arch on bottom." And the doc was trying to salvage everything that was there, and the, the patient already had some IQ about it. And I was like, Doc, can we do that for 30 grand? And he was like, yeah, we can figure it out. There's a way to do it. And we ended up putting the case together. But I at least asked, you know, what, what's important to you? This yeah. doc didn't. He went right to the clinical. I think yeah. part of it is you guys are clinically trained. You spend your entire time training for your job, clinical. No one ever teaches you guys interpersonal skills. And I feel like just, in my opinion, be patient-centric. We say we all care about our patients. Break the ice and get to know who they are before you start asking for these big treatment plans, or just don't just start talking off the X-ray. It's no, Matt, I, I, I think that's huge, and and so we we have a uh, smile survey sheet that patients fill out anytime they're getting an exam, oh, uh, and, cool. and basically it's got a whole bunch of questions uh, as far as it, it's trying to address any patient's concerns. You know, do do you have any pain or you know discomfort right now? Do you have sensitivity to cold anywhere? Do you notice bleeding, you know, when you brush your floss? Uh, have you noticed your gum shrinking? Does it feel like your bite is even on the left and right side? Do you experience he headaches, you know, often attributed to malocclusion, clenching, grinding, things like that. Um, and then there's kind of like a, a fun cosmetic section at the end, like, are you interested in, in making your teeth straighter? Would you like to have whiter teeth? Uh, would you like to know about different cosmetic dentistry options, you know, things like that. So the nice thing is, in addition to the co-diagnosis sheet that's available for us from our hygienist, uh, you know, at the beginning of the appointment, we also have the smile survey sheet from the patient. So those are the two things that I look over uh, before I even start showing the patient x-rays or IOPICs. You know, I say, hey, it's so great to meet you. You know, I'm going to take a quick look uh, back here at your x-rays and your forms and everything. Um, and I'll, and I'll kind of make small talk with them as I'm skim, skimming over everything. Oh, you know, where are you from? how did you find us? You know, things like that. And then at that point in time, now I have an idea like, oh, this patient wants to know about straighter teeth. So we definitely want to make sure we talk about Invisalign today, which I'm probably going to do anyways, but we're like, oh, this patient wants to know about smile makeover options like veneers. So like we should probably have that conversation as well. And here's the thing, guys. You know, sometimes patients come in and they're like, oh, I want whitening or I want Invisalign or I want veneers. And you look at their x-rays and you're like, yeah, that's fine. You want that, but you need a whole bunch of restorative work first. There's a bunch of cavities, there's perio, whatever it is. Um, I think too often we're too quick to, you know, like tell the patient like, yeah, that's fine. You want that, but this is what you need. 
versus like, hey, that's great that you want that. We can definitely do that for you. Um, we, we may need to do a few things first. So, you know, again, it's all about how we phrase it. I mean, can't that patient have that treatment after you take care of the urgent issues? They absolutely can. Uh, but don't don't shut down what they want. I mean, they're coming in, especially if you do if you do well, ask them foster, what they want. Foster what they want. Yes. Tell them this is the path to I'm here to help you. I'm excited. I'm like, I love what you want is my passion. This is how we get there clinically correct for you. you. You can do both. You know, you you can do the right treatment in the right order and still give the patient what they want. It's all about how you phrase it. Just make sure you're not shutting down your patients and being like, you know, laughing at them and saying, oh, you know, that's great that you want whitening, but you've got a bunch of cavities. So we need to do that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. You want whitening. We absolutely offer. We have like three different whitening options here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we can absolutely do that for you. We can talk more about these options. We just might need to take care of a few cavities first. That's that's a much different conversation for that patient. And so. This kind of segues into something I did want to talk about during this talk of I find that dentists like that scenario, right? The patient's saying, I want this one item. And the dentist looks in their mouth, and there's all this work that has to get done clinically before that one item could be done, right? And the dentist now has a resistance barrier. And the dentist goes, I don't know what to do. I can't work with this. They don't, the thing they want isn't appropriate right now. Like, the, the dentist kind of hits a roadblock. And I, I've experienced this. You don't get to talk to dentists in this scenario, I think, as much as I do. I, I had a dentist right. last week, called me, and we, we've been working with him for a while. And he's like, hey, Matt, all these implant patients, they all just need too much work. I'm like, excuse me? He's like, can you just find me some patients that need single tooth implants but pretty healthy mouths and have a little higher dental IQ? And I'm like, I'm like, doc, if you need an implant, you've neglected your mouth. There's going to be more work. And then what should excite you is, is that there is a lot of work there. And you have to, this is work for you to work through. Well, after talking to him and his office manager, what I discovered was, one, case presentation isn't the strongest in this practice. He literally said, oh, this, this one patient today needed an implant here, tooth next to it swollen, has an abscess, tooth over here needs this. Like, I can never, it's going to take me a while to get to that implant from them. That's all they want. Like, well, this is your opportunity to clinically guide them and earn their business, right? But what, what I discovered is happening is, they, if it's just not an easy yes, they can't handle any other scenario, right? It, it's like a hurdle they can't overcome. And what happens is, this happens a few times, and the office manager and the doc get discouraged. Yeah, and then they, what happens is they they stop trying. They're just looking for the easy yes, right? Yeah, guys, you have to understand something. People need more work than what they think they need ninety five percent of the time. Yeah, second, no patient has dental IQ. They don't. Okay, like they they're coming to you for the dental IQ. The reason why you exist is their lack of dental IQ. If I had high dental IQ. I would DIY my dental and not call Andrew Vallo or one of my dentists. Like you are the solution to well, their low dental say IQ. If you had high dental IQ, you would not DIY your own dental. I wouldn't <laughs> DIY. What I'm saying is like is like I wouldn't come to you for a diagnosis. I would just Shout come to you with a check sheet. Club. Yeah, like seriously. Like the but the point is you exist because they don't have dental IQ, right? Right. And and wow. then dentists are prejudging these people. And it's like, man. Like you got a human in your chair that needs a lot of work, get them the treatment. And exactly what you're talking about is right. It's a, it's a barrier. And I think it's something that dentists really struggle with um, because they're like, I just want to do the single implant. And it's like, when the patient needs more, it should get you excited. And what yeah. happens is because they have negative feelings about it, when they get there, like, oh my gosh, I have to explain all this stuff that they don't really want. They just want the one thing. When they go into it, their chair side manners are already tainted by that anxiety. 
Yeah. What you need to do well, is you need to look at that and say, hey, I'm excited. This guy needs a lot of work. I'm going to help him finally get on his dental journey. This is awesome. And you got to right. go in positive and upbeat about it. Yeah. No. And, and, and the other thing that we'll do, you know, like let's say a patient came in for an Invisalign consultation. That's what they really want. So, hey, great. You know, we're, we're a Platinum Plus Invisalign office. We do a lot of Invisalign here. Most of our patients finish their Invisalign in about six months. Like this is going to be a great experience for you. We do have to take care of a couple cavities first, but I mean, hey, do you have time to stay today? Like we, we can do those fillings today and then we can take a new scan for your Invisalign and I can actually start planning your case today. So if, if a patient wants one thing and they need something else first, that's a great segue into same day dentistry or, you know, larger appointments. Like let's say you've got a patient that needs eight fillings before they get their Invisalign. Uh, you know, like, hey, would, would you like to have a longer appointment and just take care of everything at once? Uh, so that way we can get to your Invisalign sooner. And a lot of times patients will be like, oh yeah, that would be great. Because in their mind, like they've already made their mind up. They want to do Invisalign. They don't, okay, like, yeah, I need these fillings. I don't really want to do that. But if you give them that option of staying the same day and doing the treatment so they can start it right away, or at least, you know, at least planning one longer appointment as soon as possible and telling them, hey, the great news is the end of that appointment, we can take a new scan and I can start planning your Invisalign immediately. Now you're going to increase that treatment acceptance for both the Invisalign and the restorative work. So I would look at it as an opportunity. You're right, Matt. I, I do actually hear from a lot of dentists, you know, we, as I talk to dentists about doing like Invisalign parties and stuff, I've heard from dentists that say, oh, I, I try this Invisalign party and everyone who came in wasn't an Invisalign candidate. And I was like, what do you mean? Everyone's an Invisalign candidate. No one who's ready out of the box for Invisalign. In, in my mind, if, if you're 12 years or older and you've got, uh, you know, all of your adult teeth, for us, you're an Invisalign candidate 99% of the time. So I was like, what? What do you mean that they're not Invisalign candidates? Oh, well, they it's all had dumb, cavities. It's a dumb Well, okay. Everyone has you. work they need done. You, you can't do Invisalign on them right away without doing these fillings. But like, again, I, I think they were approaching it the wrong way. So that they were seeing these patients. They're like, oh, yeah, you need you need restorative work so you can't do Invisalign. So it's it's just like, guys, it's we, the, it's the wording. It's, it's, we need to change our mindsets. Like we yeah. are creating unnecessary barriers with our patients for treatment. We need to listen to what our patients actually want. And then we need to deliver that. And I'm not telling you to do things in the wrong order. I'm not saying, oh, don't treat the decay and just do the Invisalign. Just do both and just, you know, tell the patient, oh, great news. You're an Invisalign candidate. We just need to do this first. And by the way, if you want to stay today, we can do it and start your Invisalign. So I'm going to get off my soapbox there. I, I want to get on there. You know, this might be a little bit longer episode than our normal half hour ones we've been doing lately, but there's some more we need to talk about. So it's important stuff. So we just talked about handoffs. We talked, oh, good. Yeah, I have one thing I want to add to that program on the subject. Okay. Sometimes, too, what happens in the op is the patient says, I want veneers, let's say, right? And then Doc becomes clinically tunnel vision on veneers and starts trying to figure out how we get to veneers. I, I, had, a, I had a patient in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina at a place called, I think it was LA Dental, Tanya Rajdev, amazingly awesome doc to work with. And the patient was in the chair, and she was like, I would like veneers. And I'm asking, I was like, why do you want veneers? And she starts telling me that she wants her teeth straighter and she doesn't like braces. And she wasn't aware of clear liners. I said, you know, we can straighten your teeth. You don't have to destroy them all. And we should just do Invisalign first and try that before we go all the way to veneers. That's really what she wanted. She just didn't know it. Sometimes also what the patient says they want then shifts us onto um, like one track when we should ask more questions to confirm what they're saying. Because what they're really looking for, she was just looking for a better smile. And she didn't know. She just hated braces. They scared her. Yeah. She didn't know. She didn't know clear liners even existed. Right? So oh, I think that's if a, the patient, that's a good if point, the patient says one thing, 
ask some discovery questions. Like, what is the outcome you're looking for? Right. Yeah. No. And I mean, that's, that's a whole nother conversation because I do have that quite often where people come in for a veneer consult and we end up doing Invisalign either instead or at least first. But so, you know, I want to get into next, which sure. is my actual, uh, you know, treatment presentation of the patient. So at this point in time, they've heard things a couple of times, you know, I've, I've looked at the co-diagnosis sheet. I've looked at their smile survey. We've, you know, I've, I've built rapport with the patient. I've leaned them back. I've, I've done my, you know, clinical exam. And now is when we actually start talking about things. And, and so, you know, what I do is, you know, obviously I'm, I'm actually planning out everything, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm planning out crowns and fillings and root canals and, you know, anything else that we need. Uh, but when I actually do my presentation, the patient, I don't go over again, every single tooth that I just planned out. I try to prioritize and I usually try to prioritize a quadrant and I'll usually pick one tooth in that quadrant and say, Hey, this is our absolute number one priority. So, you know, I, I tell the patient, especially if there's a lot of treatment to do, sometimes we can overwhelm our patients. So, you know, I tell the patient, Hey, there, there is a decent amount that we need to address, but you know, I always want to put the biggest fire out first. My, my job is to try to prevent conditions from getting worse because when they get worse, they become more involved, they become more expensive. Uh, and so my number one concern, you know, is this tooth on the upper right. Uh, it's one of the back teeth. Uh, it's that one I showed you on the x-ray, it had that really big cavity. The cavity is getting very close to the nerve, as you remember. If we get to that tooth right away, we can just do a crown on it. But if we let that cavity get much bigger, then it's probably going to need a crown and a root canal. And I don't want that to happen. So the next time I see you, uh, and sometimes even like we might be able to do it today, but the next time I see you, we're going to address at least that tooth. There are a couple other fillings you need on that same side. So, you know, my recommendation would be, hey, we got you numb. You don't want to get numbed up multiple times in the same area. Let's just let's just get everything taken care of at once. So we'll do that that crown on that tooth and we'll do those couple fillings. Uh, you know, that whole appointment should take uh, about an hour and a half or, you know, two hours or whatever. Um, it's not going to be an all day thing. I would like to try to find a time in the schedule for you over the next, you know, week or two before this condition gets any worse. Um, and I'll often even say to, you know, to our hygienist or whatever, like, Hey, uh, Kelly, can you try to find a time in my schedule in the next week or two that'll work for them? I, I'm, I really want to get to this tooth as soon as possible. So, you know, by, by doing this type of, uh, treatment presentation, we're not overwhelming the patient with a million different things that they're never going to remember. We're pointing to one big priority. We're creating urgency. We're building value. You know, we're discussing what the, oh, and we had mentioned earlier, I like to discuss the problem for the solution. So before I say, Hey, you need a crown this tooth. I say, Hey, do you see this? That's a really big cavity. Do you see this? That's yes. the nerve. This cavity is getting close to the nerve. Once the cavity reaches the nerve, it needs a root canal. We don't want that to happen. Um, right now that the, the tooth structures weaken, you know, you've lost 50% of the tooth structure of this tooth because of this cavity, you know, we need to put something on there. That's actually going to hold up and protect the tooth long-term. You know, it's kind of like putting a new roof on a house. You know, you, you've, you lost half the roof in a, in a hurricane. We can't just patch up half the roof. We need to put a whole new roof on. Essentially that's, that's what a dental crown is. It's, you know, it's this, it's this white porcelain crown. It's going to look just like your tooth. It's going to protect it. It's going to have this tooth last a really long time. So again, guys, before you're focusing what, on what you're solution, really doing, Andrew, is you, you actually make them aware of the danger and then you yep. tell them as their dentist, how you're protecting them from the danger. Right. You're so not just telling them the protection measure. You're like, Hey, listen, this is scary to me. This is how I'm going to protect you from you having a bad experience. I, and I'm that talking also to... conveys a lot of caring. 
I'm talking about what the problem is, what the consequences of not taking swift action are, and then you know what, what the solution is going to be. So when we actually do this handoff, we, we do this like acronym. It's, it's New Dentist Tough Road. I didn't make it up. I stole it from some other dentists and I, I apologize. I can't remember where I got it from, but basically it's next visit. So like, what are we doing at the next visit? Date. So like, how soon do we want to see this patient? Time. How long should that appointment be? And then R is for recall. That's not so much for the docs. That's for the handoff from the hygienist to the treatment coordinator. And that's just, do they still need their recall appointment schedule? Which usually should be no, because the hygienist should have already scheduled their recall. Um, but all my docs are supposed to do this same type of handoff. And then the hygienist or, or assistants are supposed to do that same handoff to the treatment coordinator. So it's NDTR, New Dentist, Tough Road. N is, what am I seeing you for next time? Hey, the next time I see you, we need to focus on that crown on that upper right, because that has that big cavity. We don't want to turn into a root canal. We'll also do those couple fillings at the same appointments if you want to. The date is how soon do I want to see the patient? Usually it's within one to two weeks. So you don't just want to be like, hey, uh, you know, we want to get this done soon or like, hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> see you in six months. Because soon to the patient might mean before their next cleaning or at their next cleaning six months from now or, or later this year or whatever. So you have to actually put a date on it. I, you know, I, I typically will use one to two weeks, but you know, you can just depend based on the circumstances of treatment. I mean, if it's not something that feels as urgent, you don't want to tell them like, Hey, it needs to be done in one to two weeks. You could say, Hey, we just want to make sure we get to this within the next month or two. So, I mean, you can always change it up, but you should give them some kind of timeline for when they should get the treatment done. Uh, and then uh, T is for time. How long is the appointment going to take? A lot of times patients have no idea. So it's like, it's very helpful to let them, especially if it's not going to be a super long appointment, they might think, oh my God, I need a root canal and crown. I'm going to be at your appointment all day. No, like, Hey, you need this root canal and crown, you know, the next appointment, it'll probably take about hour and a half, two hours. You know, that's usually what those appointments are for us. So, sounds horrible. well, yeah, but I mean, compared to five hours or eight hours, I mean, I mean just like me, me personally, like I just, uh, yeah. I have very high dental anxiety. I gotcha. I gotcha. So NDTR. We're the docs are doing that with the patients and then the doc leaves the room and the treatment coordinator comes in and now that hygienist or that assistant's doing that same handoff to the treatment coordinator, you know, Hey, Carissa, this is Joe. Dr. Vallow's main concern for Joe was that tooth number three on the upper right has a very big cavity. He's worried about it reaching the nerve soon. He wants to help him avoid a root canal. We've got this crown plan for it. And there's a couple fillings nearby that we're going to do at the same time. Dr. Vallow really wants to see Joe within the next one to two weeks. Uh, it looks like there might be a few openings in his schedule you can get him in for. Um, and Doc said that that appointment should take about an hour and a half. Uh, Joe's already been scheduled for his next recall appointment. So, you know, at, at that point in time, the patient has heard you know, the main concern multiple times. They've heard this information multiple times. They've heard that, you know, the, the urgency, the reason why it needs to be done. There's no confusion, you know, versus a treatment presentation where you just spout off 10 different things to the patient, walk out of the room. And now the treatment coordinator comes in and says, oh, you need 10 different things done and here's your cost. I mean, that is a, again, a totally different conversation. It's a lot easier, especially for a new patient. It's a lot easier if you focus on one area, you know, one priority, uh, to get that first treatment appointment scheduled, to build that rapport, and then the patient will come back and schedule more. Uh, now there are patients who say, hey, I really would rather just get more done at once. Like, can can I do more? They absolutely can. And, and we can then present the whole thing. And, you know, we offer Halcyon and we can, you know, schedule, you know, longer appointments for them. But my point is, you know, most patients can be overwhelmed if you over present things at that first appointment. 
They don't know what the priorities are. They, they think if they can't do everything, they can't do anything. So, you know, yes. you, we've got to get that mindset out of their head. Like, Hey, you don't, very, Rome very wasn't mindset. built at night. You don't have to do everything all at once. I, I often will tell patients I can work at your pace. And, and usually, you know, the treatment coordinator knows what to present because I've already had this conversation with the patient. So, you know, I, I'll often tell them like, Hey, there's a lot going on. This is my first priority. This is what I want to see for the next time. That said, I can work at your pace. If we need to spread out some of the other treatment, we can. If you'd rather do more at once, we can. And, and for longer appointments, we often, you know, will offer uh, oral sedation. I don't charge any extra for it. It's just a prescription pick up the pharmacy. Oh, you do need a driver. So like these conversations are had. The other thing that I'll say on this front is let's say it's a patient where they've got a lot of different options. You know, they're, they're missing teeth. You're giving them options for bridges, for implants, for partials. One, the treatment presentation is going to take a half hour. The treatment coordinator has like four Killer case acceptance. Killer case acceptance. The patient's thinking like, well, which option do I want to pick? So we never do that. We, we, you know, yes, guys, you do have to give your patients the options. You have to give them informed consent. But like we have a brief discussion of the options. And I ask the patient, like, which of these, op like, do you want an option that you have taken and out of your mouth? Yes, no. Do you want an option where we've got to address or we've, we've got to do work on adjacent teeth uh, and then you'll have this bridge that's connected, yes or no? Do you want an option that's replacing that tooth without touching any other teeth, but you have to go through surgery and it's a little longer prop? So it's like we, we have that conversation. We find out which option the patient most likely wants, and that's the option we present. And then if the patient wants another option, like no problem, we can print that out for them. But guys, don't don't have your treatment coordinator go in and show the patient four different sheets because I'll yeah. tell you what, it, you're you're making things way harder than they have to be. Yeah. So we, we call that we call that landing them on the proper treatment plan, right? So two things are going to determine what they pick: budget and what they want for their lifestyle after that dental treatment. Like what do they want for you know their quality of life to change, right? And we we think exactly what you're saying. You know, know that stuff before you treatment plan, like it's really simple like you can figure out budget ranges and you can ask these discovery questions you know i find that over treatment planning is the number one killer of case acceptance because you come in with three options what you just created was a scenario where they have to go home and think about it what should happen is you should understand their needs their wants what their budgeting is and come in and say based on what you told me as your dental professional this is the best solution for you we talked about the other solutions but from everything you told me, I think this fits you best. Do you agree? Oh, that's the best solution. Now we're talking about one solution. And you have yeah. to, you know, between the others, but that's the number one killer. I watch people treatment plan and they'll do three different treatment plans. Yep. And I'm like, do you not know anything about your patient yet? I'm like, excuse me? I'm like, do you know if they can, let's, let's use like denture, snap and denture, all an X. That's real easy. Can he afford forty-five dollars to $50,000? Well, I don't know. Well, you should have asked. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like th that's a scenario where, like, listen, you're going to go in and present these three things, and they're going to be like, two out of three isn't for me, or one out of three is for me, right? But you should it should be easy to figure that out before you ever treatment plan. And now you've taken too much time. There's You guys need to understand this. There's a clock that is the patient's attention span, and it's going to expire. And it's like a, a time bomb because you don't know when it is. So if we, they're there, once like you get past 35, 45 minutes, that clock starts ticking off faster. If you go to treatment plan, three treatment plans and come back and they've been sitting alone for 20 minutes, right? You're not getting a yes out of them that day because their brain has already decided, I have to get out of here as quick as possible. You have zero opportunity now. You have to ask discovery questions, land them on the right treatment plan, 
and present the one that fits all their needs yep. and get a yes. Not present more than one. Presenting more than one is always bad, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, to, to summarize the treatment presentation, guys, my recommendation, especially for a new patient that needs a lot of treatment, is don't present all of the treatment unless you've already had a conversation that patient wants to have a big appointment and do everything at once or, you know, a whole half the mouth at once or whatever. Typically pick, you know, an area, a quadrant, um, and, and that's all you should present as far as the, you know, the cost and, and everything else. And, and let the patient know this is for your next appointment. Like, yes, there's more we'll go over later, but like, this is the first priority. Uh, it lowers barriers. Present one option, you know, talk to the patient about different options, but don't give them three or four different sheets. Um, here's another pro tip, guys. Don't show itemized costs of everything on the treatment plan uh, unless the patient really wants to see them. Because I'll tell you what, that's when you start having patients trying to pick and choose what they want to do based on costs. Like, oh, instead of doing the, the first priority, you know, instead of getting this crown done because this cavity is about to reach a nerve, the patient's like, oh, well, this filling's only this much money. Can we do that? Or they're saying, oh, uh, I need this crown, but like, can we just skip the buildup? Because I see it adds a couple of extra hundred dollars and things like that. So don't, you know, there's a way in open dental to turn off the, you know, itemized amounts. Uh, there's, you know, flex, we use flex to present treatment electronically. There's a way to turn that off. I would recommend not showing all these items, not to mention it's just, it's overwhelming, I think for patients. So we basically show them, you know, the total of their treatments, uh, oftentimes we'll offer discounts or they have insurance. So they'll see the, the discounted amount. And then we'll also talk about financing and we're actually going to have a whole nother episode about financing tools, but financing is huge for us. All of my practices utilize it. Um, and we always let patients know, Hey, if you'd rather, we do have options where you can pay monthly and, you know, we'll, we'll typically even give them estimates like, Hey, based on your treatment amount, your monthly payments could be this. In those cases of financing, if they do have a lot of other treatment, we will often ask them like, Hey, if you're interested in financing, do you want to try to, you know, finance the full amount of your treatment? So that way you're not going back. It's, it's usually easier to get approved at once for a higher amount than to go back and ask for more. Um, so that's, that's the one exception there where, uh, if they do have a lot of treatment, you know, and they want to finance, we, we often then will go back and, and try to have them finance the full amount at once. But it's all about lowering barriers, guys. It's, it's about reducing chaos, trying to make things as straightforward as possible, prioritizing things for your patients, uh, creating urgency as to, you know, what the problem is, what the consequences are if we don't address the problem soon, putting them at ease, you know, like, hey, this don't sugarcoat the problem, but sugarcoat the solution. So, you know, don't, don't say, oh, it's, you just have a small cavity. It's not a big deal or, oh, it's, it's just a hairline fracture. I, I wouldn't worry too much about it yet. Um, so, you know, you don't want to sugarcoat that. Hey, you have a cavity, your tooth has a crack, you have a gum infection, you know, or periodontal disease. Um, but Hey, here's the good news. We can, you know, we can fix it. We can put this crown on the tooth. It's just, it's a pretty straightforward procedure. It's only going to take an hour and a half. So again, you're putting them at, at ease that they're not going to be at your office all day for that appointment. It's about, you know, thinking about every step of the patient's journey. So make sure it's a great experience from the time they walk in your door. It's about the co-diagnosis. So make sure you're not the only person and not the first person talking to your patients about concerns. It's about appropriate handoffs so that patients are hearing these things, you know, multiple times uh, as as they're, you know, handed off to the doctor and as they're handed off to the treatment coordinator. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, this has been an amazing episode. Um, this is one me and, me and uh, Andrew have really been wanting to do. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. 
and you know it's it, it's always fun to talk to you guys about these subjects this is one subject i'm really passionate about new patient experience and navigating the patient is something that i i think everyone can always work on and improve on i think it's something that you're never good at it's something that you should just always be developing and always be looking at you should always be investing in because you know everyone always says like chair side manner is everything but no one ever invests in it i think it's something you have to just put forward in your mind like this is how things are done so um thank you guys for joining us today it was awesome Andrew, do you have anything to close with before I close off? You know, guys, I, I guess my only thought here is uh, we had talked about earlier about doing calibrations, doing role playings. Um, so, I mean, if, if you found this episode helpful, if, if you're sitting there thinking like, man, there is a lot I need to change with my treatment presentation, you know, don't just try to flip a switch and the next day try to change everything. Get your team involved, you know, schedule a meeting talk to your team uh, about all these things. I mean, you, you can feel free to have your team listen to this podcast episode, but I mean, you, you need to actually invest some time and money. Cause I mean, you know, we, we pay our teams for these team meetings, but you, you need to invest in getting the whole team on board on the same page, because if you just try to fly by the seat of your pants and do this, it's going to be challenging to just totally change everything. Um, and, and you're going to probably get a lot of pushback too. So you know, you've got to explain to your teams why you're changing this. You've, you've got to explain to your hygienists that, you know, you want to empower them that, you know, that they are important healthcare providers and they are the second most seen provider, you know, in America, right behind pharmacists. So, you know, I, I think that's an important aspect is I, I, I believe everything that we said today is actionable. Um, I think you can make a big change in your treatment acceptance rate by implementing a lot of these things. Um, I would just say, try to do it together as a team and try to take the time to actually train and role play your team on on these different items so all right guys thank you so much for uh for joining me and dr Valle today hope you guys have a great uh a great start to your year and have a great day guys thank you so much take care, guys.